I feel like rapping a song, but I don't want to rap because the rapping is bad. This is uh, Friday, August 4th, 2023 AD, and it's 9.02 AM U.S. Pacific Daylight Time here in Los Angeles. I'm going to have a guest today, guys, and you guys can call in. This particular guest loves to talk with our callers, including the angry ones, from any side, from any side. So there's been a cussing, angry, conservative Trump supporter who's called in, yelling at him. But we don't, we don't do the cussing thing. I dropped that caller. Um, Dylan Burns is going to join me on, uh, here on the Hake Report for the third time. He last joined me in May of last year. Wow. Before the, my whole ordeal. And I was on his hippy-dippy round table a number of times. And also we appeared together in person in Texas on Modern Day Debate. Modern Day Debate. Shout out to Modern Day Debate. James Kuntz and the rest. Uh, so we're going to talk about Ukraine we're going to talk about, he's pro-Ukraine, just like you, Kevin Howe. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that, talk about Trump. It's Men's History Month. He was on the Fallen State before. Maybe we'll talk about, I'm assuming, this is all assuming that all the technical issues get worked out, right? And that this happens. Uh, maybe we can talk about the uh, true, full, and balanced, complete history of slavery in America, the benefits of slavery, if there are any. And uh, this man, young man is perhaps an aspiring politician, so when he runs for president, will he pledge to abolish anti-discrimination laws and hate speech, legisla- hate speech and hate crimes legislation and stuff like that? I will ha- we will ask him. <laughs> I don't know if he's inclined toward anything like that. So, uh, hopefully all that will be here for an hour, maybe longer, maybe longer. If you guys, if it generates a lot of calls and people want to call in, I will give them the opportunity to talk with them. And we may touch on this cackling Kamala Harris, the vice president lady. I almost called her first lady. Mad at DeSantis, but will not debate. Debate me, bro, DeSantis said. And she's like, I'm not your bro. And by the way, it is going to be some fun, different music today on the Hake Report. Hopefully, right? At the break and at the end, you guys know. So, all that and your calls, guys, if you would like to call in. But anyway, let's get right on with the show! Nice. you're enjoying the A.J. Gallardo original theme song of the Hake Report. And uh, we're having a fun, loosey-goosey Friday show. Indeed. 
la 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 Oh, it's the Hague Report The Hague Report La 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 so- How are you guys doing? I am fine La 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 Are we going to play Julieta Venegas? Julieta Venegas? <laughs> I wish but it's blocked in Russia, and I don't like my music being blocked in Russia. <laughs> uh, we're going to play Kirk Franklin, Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, I, I, I don't want to call the t- what type of Friday it is before we have our guest on, because, you know, he may be streaming, and we don't use <laughs> racial slurs when people are... I don't consider it a slur, but some people might. When we're live, with, we like to be polite in polite company. And Dylan Burns of Dylan Burns TV will be polite company. (laughs) No matter how rude uh, Tat-Face Joker gets, (laughs) he can't help it. He's from the streets of New York. Poriqua. But as we are connecting, I think we're working on it, right? Is he around at all? He says he only said five minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Um... While we're getting that ready with Dylan Burns, let me take a few minutes to read some super chats, right? Okay, we'll jump in a call in a few minutes. Okay, cool. Some super chats have come in. You guys can super chat. Just go to thehakereport.com, okay? And there's a little uh, widget thing. What's a widget? I don't know, but it's down at the lower right corner, and you click on it, and then it'll take you to buy me a coffee. Okay, so that's cool. Over on buy me a coffee... There was one that came in from Based America First. He bought two of coffees. The stratosphere is a layer of Earth's atmosphere roughly between 8 and 30 miles altitude. Between 8 and 30 uh, miles up. Uh, Danabo is the one kind of helping out. Yeah. Um, He's coordinating. The stratosphere is is the layer that's between 8 and 30 miles in altitude above the surface of the earth, the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapai Haapai, whatever, underwater volcano erupted on January 15th, 2022 AD, sending the equivalent of 58,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools of water into the stratosphere and increasing the amount of water vapor typically found there by 13%. Wow. Atmospheric water vapor traps heat, indeed, makes it more humid but generally condenses to rain quickly. In this case, however, the extra water vapor will remain in the stratosphere five to ten years. Compounding the heating effect uh, is the sun nearing its peak output during current solar cycle 25. Air temperature may be hotter in some places, but in addition to being summer, it's more likely due to naturally occurring events beyond human control and not global boiling. Thank you for that explanation based America First with those coffees. I preemptively disavow it because I don't put out any misinformation or true information that's not approved. But thank you, man. I was wondering about that. I had heard that maybe it was due to a volcano eruption and not necessarily the, the man-made climate change, which I fully avow for the sake of my channel. Thank you. Okay, I have my guest here ready. It is... Uh, Dylan Burns is joining Hake for a third time on the Hake Report, right in time for Men's History Month. Dylan Burns of Hippy Dippy Roundtable fame, which is 
it's closed down so that he could do his uh, Ukraine uh, documentary and journalism and activism and work. And uh, he's been on The Fallen State with J.C. Lee Peterson. He's been on my show a couple of times. I've been on his show a few times. And we've been on Modern Day Debate in Texas together. Dylan Burns, welcome. Uh, musical intro that, of course, is is rocking it on all the major uh, radio stations. Indeed. Happy to be back uh, to talk about the to talk about the hard hitting issues and talk to my my great fan. What was his name? J- Tatface John or something? My Ta- my favorite fan. Tatface Joker. Yeah. <laughs> Tatface Joker, my favorite fan. Nice. Now, uh, for the people, you don't have. I don't want to dox. I don't. We don't dox on the Hake Report. But That's good. But uh, but where roughly are you? You look like you're in a different location from uh, prior times. I'm in uh, I'm in Kiev. Uh, last time I think we talked about Ukraine on the stream. I think I was in Lviv, but I'm in Kiev. I have uh, an apartment in Kiev, but right now I'm actually in my studio, which I have in Kiev. I rented from a from a friend of mine. I got a good price for it. And what's great about the studio is it's actually underground. And so when the city is getting struck by either Shahid drones or missiles or there's some issue, the safest place I could possibly be is right here streaming or, or just doing some type of work. And so that allows me to feel pretty safe when I'm streaming because actually I think two or three days ago I was going to be streaming and I was in the Ukrainian countryside outside of Kiev. Is that a house? A co- we call it the compound. Um, it's just this big place with a ton of solar panels and it's very self-sustaining and so it it can kind of disconnect from the power grid so it's also safe when it comes to that but a shahid drone flew very close over our house and blew up about 50 to 100 feet away from our from our house um and i wasn't underground i was just in the building so if the building was it you know something could have happened to me it could have happened to other people and so here i'm i feel a lot safer yeah so I, i like being here when i'm streaming because when i'm streaming i got my headphones in i can't hear and so if i can't hear anything coming in uh, it's better for me to be somewhere where I don't have to worry about that. For sure. Yeah, you're taking a risk being over there in Ukraine. And you've been, how long have you been over there? I know you've cu- kind of come back and and gone yeah, over there. So I think in total it's been over a year now. Um, if I include last trip and this trip, I think it's been about over a year. And um, what I did last time is I came for six months, Christmas came around, went home to spend Christmas with the family, because you got to respect the family. Then I come back, spend about six, seven months here again, and then I'm going to head back in November, December, spend Christmas with the family again. And that, that's basically my, my cycle right now. Yeah. You're working on a documentary for uh, this Ukraine war and I'm, wor- I'm working on a lot of different pieces. Okay. I'm not working on like one singular documentary. That I got a... A short documentary on demining that I, I lived with deminers for about a month um, in the Kharkiv Oblast as he did demining work and recently liberated territory. Oh, uh, meaning disabling, get, get, disabling uh, go ahead. Uh, mines, yeah, like anti-tank mines, anti-personnel mines, wow. Mod 50s, which are, which are like Russian claymores. Um, I spent and lived a month with them and filmed their experiences, talked to them about what it's like to do this type of work. Because wow. they are doing it on about a month of training. 
it, they, their their program has been expediated exponentially because Ukraine is probably one of the most, if not the most, mined country in the world, according to its environmental minister, one-third of the country. And it's a very big country for European standards, at least. As Americans, I think, you know, we have a very big country and we're used to that, but for European standards, it's still a very big country. One-third of it's covered in mines. Wow. Um, and so it's going to take about 80 to 100 years to get rid of all these mines. I'll be dead before the job is done. So I want to make sure that this gets the attention it deserves, because even when the war ends, it's still an important issue. Yeah. We can see this as an issue in Cambodia. We see it as an issue even on the German coastline where they used to dump weapons after World War II. In fact, in Ukraine, they're still disabling bombs from World War I and World War II. Wow. And they were disabling thousands of those before the war even started. And so it, it's, it's an issue. It, it's bombs being laid on top of other bombs from other wars. And so that's why the situation is, is just so bad and i des think it deserves a lot of attention which it's not getting because it's not the most super exciting like frontline gopro work you know that it reminds me of what they're talking about with the cluster munitions that mm -hmm. biden approved those don't necessarily explode in the air or something like that like they're supposed to and they can sit for years or decades and go off is that going to be so adding to the issue what sucks about this war is basically all the bombs that are being used, unless they're brand new out of the factory, and very few of them are actually overall brand new out of the factory. We're using a lot of old Soviet stockpiles. A lot of these bombs have very high dud rates. And what a dud okay. rate is, is of the percentage, like, let's say you have a bomb. If it has a 40% dud rate, that means a 40% chance it doesn't go off, and it's just going to be like a mine for the next 50, 60, 70 years until someone finds it and disables it. This is how you get a lot of children in Cambodia, for example, from all of the bombing that we did there during the war against communism in Vietnam, uh, a lot of children who are still blowing up from these types of bombs. The cluster unit, so all of the bombs that are being used here, or almost all the bombs that are being used in this war so far, have very high dud rates. Um, it, it definitely, when you see the Russians are now using North Korean weapons, which are going to also have a very high dud rate because most of those were made in the 80s and the 90s. They're 30 years old. Um, I don't know how well the manufacturing or safety standards exactly are in North Korean factories, but I don't assume that they're the same standards as many other weapons producers. So this has already been an issue for a while, and cluster munitions have already been used in this war for a while. I have been given videos from people who have been bombed by cluster munitions. I've talked to people who have been bombed by cluster munitions. There's tons of videos of the Russians even using cluster munitions in highly dense cities. But I think recently it got more attention because Biden decided that we were going to send American stockpiles of cluster munitions over. What's interesting about this, and I tell me if I'm going on for too long, because no, I don't no, know how much time you have. I'll jump in. Um, and, this, and this is an issue that I'm very nerdy about, so I can talk about this for a while. <laughs> What's interesting about these cluster munitions is, according to Biden, they have a 2.5% dud rate, which is lower than what the majority is being used on, on the old Soviet stockpiles, because these are that's what they're saying. But old tests of these weapons don't correlate with that. These same weapons were tested to actually be 6% dud rates not 2.5%. And in fact, Biden's standard and the standard of the American government was that it had to have a dud rate of 1% if we were going to be giving it to an ally. Wow. But due to the pressure of the situation, now I don't know if they, they said they did new testing and now it's at 2.5%. They haven't released the data on exactly what the conditions were that they were tested in, whether it was rocky terrain, what, like what the weather was like, and all of that can affect whether or not these bombs actually explode. So I wish there was more transparency around that. But the, but the main reason why these are being sent over, and Secretary Lloyd Austin said this, Joe Biden said this, 
is because, number one, they're going to make Swiss cheese out of the Russians. These bombs can cover four and a half football fields. They go into the sky, they blow up above the ground, and then they drop 72 to 80 bomblets over an area about the size of four to four and a half football fields. Wow. And so if you're fighting in these gigantic fields in Zaporozhye, and I've been in Zaporozhye, miles and miles of farm fields. It's like like Midwest type, like corn, like fields of corn, right? Except it's wheat, sunflowers, and, and you, know, you know, watermelons, stuff like that. And so if you need to cover all that territory, this type of bomb is almost like perfect made for that. But my concern is that if we're going to send these weapons and the decision's already been made, there has to also be an investment in demining equipment. Because I've met the guys who are going to have to disable these duds after the war is over, and they're good people, and they deserve to have good equipment. And many of them are going without um, the drones necessary to spot this from a good distance and approach it safely. Many of them don't have proper, like, large-scale demining vehicles. Many of them have pretty honestly shoddy um, body armor and not enough protective equipment. And it's very sometimes difficult for the deminers to fundraise for themselves because yeah, there can be issues with management feeling that they're being embarrassed by the fact that they even need to do that. What is the... What is the... Uh casualty numbers on this war so far do you know nobody knows i've seen a lot of people say they know but nobody really knows because unless you have access to both the russian controlled territory and ukrainian controlled territory right right and you also can access the sites that have been covered up in many of the locations where these either extrajudicial killings have happened or where a lot of civilians have died have been blatantly covered up I remember during the right. retreat, retreat from Bucha, um, a lot of the bodies were burnt. I don't, I, I assume, now it's kind of hard to imagine how burning the body was going to fix it. Maybe it would erase the evidence of execution, but they didn't remove the, the hands that were tied behind the back. So it didn't really work, but there are efforts to cover up exactly how much death there is. And with a lack of access, it's really hard to say, but the UN estimates are a unbelievable undercount. And I understand why the number's so low, because they're only going to count a death if they've like they can 100% confirm because they've been there and they see the body. So, you know, that is the only way they're going to confirm it. What's their, but that what's means they're leaving a lot of stuff. It's right. like 8,000. Oh. It's like 8,000, 9,000. It yeah. is a, a unbelievable undercount. I would say that, like, we're, we're almost certainly, like, in the... I mean, it's a very gigantic range, but we're talking, like, like 100,000 to 200,000 is, like, like, other estimates that I'm hearing. So okay. it's a very wide range for casualties, but it's been a very bloody war. Yeah, man, that's terrible. Um, I'm personally still of the opinion that they should. Somebody's somebody's got to drop it, <laughs> you know, because right now it seems like it might be evil versus evil. I think Putin might be evil, you know, and I know that um, I know I, I sense that Zelensky and the and the NATO side is, are also evil. Like they're, it's it's overboard. All of this subsidizing of their war, of their side of the war, is only leading to more death on both sides. You know, I know that you've compared it to the American Revolution last time we talked. Mm -hmm. How uh, France helped America gain gain our independence from Britain, but I don't know. This is crazy. Do you have any follow-up on that? I know we've covered it already a couple of times. Something that I've noticed since I've come back to this country that really, I think, gra grabbed me is how different some of the cities I've visited are since I've last visited them about a year ago. Destroyed. Kharkiv, I think, um, the, the opposite. Oh. Not destroyed. 
undestroyed, actually. Um, I went to the city of Kharkiv last year, and when I was there, the city's electrical grid was targeted by the Russians. Um, the east side of the city was riddled with bombs, burnt out homes. Um, every night you heard the place get struck. We had very a lot of like bombs falling with very close with where we were living and, and some like apartment houses. This time around, the city has probably two to three times more people than I saw last time. Restaurants are, are open across the city. A lot more restaurants than last time. Last time was only like a few. Um, an aquarium, which I went to, was open. And I got to spend time with dolphins, which was really cool. Right? And I was trying to figure out what changed between my last trip and this trip that could have seen such a transformation. There's still drone attacks. There's still rocket attacks. There's still sirens. But it feels like... 60% of the violence, 70% of the violence had gone away. And then I realized that the main difference was that the Russian artillery guns had been pushed back. That when the Ukrainians launched their counteroffensive, the Russians were pushed so far out, because last time I was there, it was at the end of that counteroffensive, they were pushed so far away from the city that they can't strike it more with artillery. And 60 to 70% of the deaths in this war are from artillery. So the city had become safer through Ukrainian military victories. The civilians living in the city, city became safer through the Russians no longer being able to bomb them as relentlessly as they did before. And I think this is a great example of Ukrainian military victories equaling a more safe and stable existence for their people. And so I don't think it's as simple as you give somebody a gun, he kills people with gun, the world is a more dangerous place, because you know that there's a lot of evil in the world. I right. know there's a lot of evil in the world. I've seen a lot of evil in the world, definitely from the time that I've been here. And a lot of times you can't really negotiate with an evil. You just have to stuff out the evil. And I think the easiest way to do that in this instance, it was the artillery guns. And so you pushed it away and you can't push away that type of barbarity without some sort of military power. And so when someone says that these weapons are just adding to the bloodshed, that would also assume that the Ukrainians would basically give up if it wasn't for the West. I am of the belief that they would. there's a decent chance they would keep fighting. They would just be fighting an, uh, a losing battle. They would just be fighting a battle like, we can't surrender our land. It would be like asking Americans to give up California and Florida or Texas and all these other locations. And it would be unthinkable for most Americans, not only out of an issue of national pride, but out of the family members who live there, out of the family ties that you have in these states, out of the, how much it would economically cripple the United States. California is like the 10th largest economy in the world. I mean, the Soviet Union, when they gave Ukraine Crimea, they said the reason we're giving Ukraine Crimea is because it's economically essential, essential to the Ukrainian nation. But but now they're, they want to stop their their nation, not only from having this brutality waged upon them, but trying to deal with that consequence. So I, I don't think it's as simple as deal with that, you know, uh, that economic crippling that has been waged upon their nation. So I think that there are, there's enough good reason to send them weapons for, for their own defense and for their own protection um, that I think is not covered enough on like the effect of pushing back the Russian army. Air defense is a great example of this, how much air defense has protected civilians. I, I understand what you're saying, that it's helped maybe some cities, but it has enabled the war to continue, whereas, yeah, they might be fighting a losing battle and more of them dying because they were, they're so... Uh, ground in and dug in in their national pride, it seems, I've, I've heard. Um, but it seems like it would have been over a lot quicker. And then somebody would have to break <laughs> quicker. I mean, 
I, I would also say that it's not as, I mean, for me, it's not as simple as just, we'll end the war, right? You end the war, people stop shooting each other, and then everything is good. Because just because a war is over doesn't mean war can't come back. You know, the war could start up again in five years. We've had this happen before in other conflicts where they have a ceasefire and then it comes back. Yemen's a great example of that, where they had temporary ceasefires yeah. and it spiraled out of control and they went back into violence. And so I think that the issue should be resolved now. I don't want to have to be like, okay, 10 years from now, my my family member is going to have to be the one that has to deal with this when we can deal with it now. The, the future Ukrainians, the Ukrainians that are growing up with this bombardment are now going to have to deal with it 10 years from now. And so I think there, there's, when we talk about ending the war, I want to end the war permanently. I don't want to end the war temporarily because then all we're doing is kind of like soothing our own like sensibilities. Like, oh, temporarily we've saved the day, but we haven't really. And the other issue is that I think that Ukrainians want to be able to dictate their own future and a future under Russian occupation is not the one that the majority of them want. And so if they were to give up Kherson, Zaporozhye, Donetsk, and Luhansk, and Crimea to Russian occupation, that is a tremendous amount of territory, which doesn't only mean that the people within those territories are going to have to live under Russian occupation, which can be quite brutal from what we've seen so far. But also, many of them are going to lose their homes. Many of them are going to lose their property rights. Vladimir Putin, a few months ago, signed an executive order saying that if you don't accept Russian citizenship within occupied territory, they can take away your property rights. They can deport you. They can take away your ability to live just in the neighborhood you, you were born in and raised in. And they can kick you out because you didn't accept the Russian line. And I think a lot of people don't realize... Some of that's happening in Ukraine, too, with the Christ some of the... Some of the Orthodox Christian churches that they say are, are corrupted by Russian subversion, pro-Russian subversion, there's, there's some violation of rights in both countries. Is that not true? I, I'm not familiar with anything that would be similar to taking away a person's property rights. I'm okay. not familiar with anybody like, you're Christian, therefore you can't own homes. You're a Christian, therefore we're going to kick you out of your home. You're not allowed to live here anymore. Um, there is, though, a big debate raging in Ukraine, and there still are Russian Orthodox churches that operate in Ukraine, but there's a debate in Ukraine around the Russian Orthodox Church about the amount of influence that the Russian government has within the Russian Orthodox Church. And the debate has only intensified since the war started because the Russian Orthodox Church has helped the Russian government wage war against Ukraine. The most obvious example of this I could point to is that the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, the patriarch, Kirill, said that if you go to Ukraine and you kill Ukrainians, you will go to heaven. Now, wow. if we heard that towards Americans, we would think that was Al-Qaeda. We would think <laughs> right. that was ISIS. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who believes in the Russian Orthodox Church agrees with that. Obviously, Christians yeah. have a bunch of different beliefs and a bunch of different you know, sensibilities. But if after 9-11, we had some church in the United States say, go to America, kill Americans, and you will go to heaven, I don't think it would be too long until the FBI kicked in their doors and arrested many of its major leaders. Let's get to a call before too long. You guys can call in 1-888-775-3773. Uh, Jeff is in Louisiana. His nickname, Dylan, is Mumbles. He Mumbles. Mumbles, because so you're going to have to listen closely. Jeff in Louisiana. Okay, I'll do my best. Are you there? Yeah, man. I just had a comment on his, on a first part of conversation I was having. Yeah. Where he said about the dead bombs, no children did digging up dead bombs and killing them? He Let was, me ask you. Go ahead. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Why if, if a dead bomb killed us, I'm Bill Auden, and we hadn't been in the war for 20 freaking years, 
spending billions and billions and billions of U.S. dollars, losing U.S. money on some amount of nothing. You know, so why didn't dead bombs kill Osama? It was the question, I think. No, I'm, I'm saying you saying no. You're saying you're talking about children digging up. No, these dead bombs are dropping. Yeah, in the mining, and you say for if a child is a dead bomb and it kills them, why well, can't they be a bill on? And we wouldn't have spent twenty years or more and billions and billions of dollars on a lost cause. What, what? Okay, so my point is, what do we what do we accomplish in Afghanistan? That's going to correlate to us pissed off this money in Ukraine. We're wasting American lives, American resources, and everything else. And you're 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 fine over there sitting underground in the bunker, giving them more U.S. money. It makes no sense. Okay, so I I didn't understand half of that, but I I got the I think there was an aspect of I think we're trying to kill Osama bin Laden and we wasted money trying to kill him. I think was the question. And like, why are we going to waste money on this now? Is that the question? I'm sorry, let, let me say again if you hear me. You were talking about dud bombs and children digging up yes, dud, dud bombs. Uh huh. Okay. What if one of those dud bombs would have been uh, the child of Kill Ben Osama bin Laden? Would that not have made the world a better place? Oh, what if when Osama bin Laden was a child, a dud bomb killed him? Then yeah. when it would have made the better. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if a dud bomb by happenstance okay. killed Osama, just like if. You know, a fire like stop, happened in some German village, and it ended up killing Hitler. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that that would be a good coincidence. But I also, as a matter of policy, we shouldn't di directly target civilians because the vast majority well, of those civilians are not going to like end up to be Hitler or Osama bin Laden. But 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 my point is, is we're not targeting civilians for that purpose. But if it happens, it happens. It's war. We're spending money. We're, we're, it's not some. We're not fighting for our freedoms. We're not fighting for anything. And if it happens, it happens. But it would prevent us. Okay, like I said, if uh, we if that had happened, Sam Bin Laden had been killing his child, we wouldn't have spent twenty years in a war. Well, I take that back. That I, I, I'm I'm a Republican, but I I made this fact that the reason we went to war was because of George Bush at first. Because Junior wanted to clean his dad's mistake in Iraq. But still, it's the point is that 9 11 wouldn't happen. We wouldn't have 3,000 Americans died up there. We wouldn't have all this crap happen there. And we wouldn't have spent 20 years over there. The money we spent, the money we spent in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, and the money we're spending now to fund Ukraine to fight, we could spend that in America, getting people off the streets so like in California. I apologize for my language, but. When you walk down the street, you have to take you have to walk beside somebody taking a shit in the street to get the water. Hey, hey, Je Jeff, remember uh, I, keep I, it clean. I, I, I said, I said, I saw language, but you wouldn't have walked somebody using the bathroom on the street to get to work. If we take that money so, to spend over there and bring it back up here, because as you stated earlier, we're not trying to. Well, if we end all wars, it'd be great, but we're not ending all wars. We spent twenty years in Afghanistan fighting this stuff. And as soon as we pull it out, guess what? It goes back to exactly what it was. Like killing each other, not, not, nothing's getting accomplished. Okay, let's hear from Dylan's response. You, you caught yeah, his so point. Yeah, the, so the, the dud bombs part still somewhat confuses me, but I understand the second part of the question. As for the dud part, um, I think a lot of people have this idea of history kind of like they view history through great people or great right. characters. And I'm not saying they're great people, but I mean people of immense influence. Yeah. Through Napoleon, through George Washington, 
through uh, Osama bin Laden. But a lot of times, I don't think it's necessarily that this one person led forward history. And right. if we remove this one person, everything would change. I agree. Um, there are a few people where that might be the case. But for the majority, like, the economic conditions that created Osama bin Laden also existed. The economic and ideological and religious motivations, other people held that as well. Yep. I mean, if we, let's say we killed Osama bin Laden as a baby, but during that strike, we also ended up killing, like, somebody else who, who uh, like, some child of some person during these strikes with their dead bombs that pisses them off inspires them to go into a world of terrorism inspires them to go and attack the united states and then if osama bin laden it's mohammed bin salbik or whatever right it's yeah. some other guy who is now the new osama bin laden so i i don't know if if we by accident killed osama bin laden when he was a baby that would have really changed that much um there's a there's very few historical figures where i think that's the case as for the the spending of money um, in the United States instead of Ukraine, we weren't solving the issue with homelessness in the United States before the war in Ukraine. We weren't solving the issue with homelessness in the United States uh, before the war in Afghanistan, before the war in Iraq, before any of our foreign engagement, before our intervention in Somalia, Niger, any country in the world. And the resources that we use for homelessness, I do not believe that if we stop the war in Ukraine tomorrow, that either a Joe Biden or a Trump or a DeSantis or a Vivek Walshwami administration, no matter who's running, RFK, they're going to take that money and divert it into housing. In fact, it's not that simple to divert it into housing. You would have to you would have to change your military budget, reduce our military budget, reduce the allocations that we have for a lot of this equipment, and then shift it into what housing and urban development. And I don't and number a one bad I, idea. That wouldn't even be the solution to the homelessness thing, in my opinion. So I, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think that that would happen, but I also don't think that these two th issues are exclusive. I think you can solve and deal with homelessness while also supporting our allies. Also, a lot of the aid we're giving the Ukrainians is aid that we can't just magically turn into homes. We can't take these old Vietnam era like transport carriers and say, okay, homeless people, you're going to now live in a bunch of Bradleys. You're going to live in a bunch of old Vietnam transportation. You can't do that. A lot of this stuff is military equipment. It will always be military equipment unless you're going to melt it down for scrap. And if it's more useful for, uh, on the battlefields of Ukraine, then I say send it to the Ukrainians. You know, I, I think that the homeless issue is a character problem and no amount of money throwing or housing is going to fix the homeless people's issues. Um, so I don't think... It's going to, the solution is going to come from the government other than stopping the enablement of homelessness. Just like we're, just like I think we should stop the enablement of these wars. Um, and, and I appreciate it. Homelessness Jeff. is like a, homelessness is like a black hole though. It'll suck you in and it'll consume every aspect of your life. I, I get, I get that there is. Okay, okay. One quick comment. Now, okay, go ahead, Jeff. I, I agree with you overall, Dylan. I agree with you overall. And like, okay. just, like you said, you know, if we, if we could spend the money there, you know, if we bring all the money back from Ukraine or Iraq or Afghanistan or anywhere else, there's no guarantee to fix any problems here because our politicians, our politicians are going to find some way to, you know, spin it some way it's not useful. I say the word. I don't want to say anything to get in the band or hate shirt. They find way to spin it's not useful. But that's our problem is, our main problem is, is we're, we're, we're worried about everybody else in the world except for us. If we get one person off that wants to take care of America, not worry, I like Trump, but not worried about being on the border wall, not worried about, you know, all that sort of crap we're worried about. Just to find some way to spend the money in America and, you know, 
make make us realize what we're working for is going back into our country and to improve our country. Now, I'm sorry for the people in Ukraine and France and everywhere else, but that's not our, at the end of the day, that's not our problem. 200 years ago, a little bit two years ago, people came over here and made America what it is. We started mm-hmm. from nothing, and now we're the most powerful country in the world. And these people do not want to do nothing, or I can't say the people don't want to do nothing, but the countries don't want nothing to make a, their countries great. They just depend on the West. That's all it is. Well, I would say, I mean, there'd be, I mean, there's a few things I would say here, and I, but I don't want to take up too much time. I'll, I'll try to be quick. Um, the first thing I would say is I think the Ukrainians are fighting very hard to make their country great. Uh, the Euromaidan was part of that reason. It was a backlash at the amount of corruption that existed in the post-Soviet society that Ukraine had had developed into, had evolved into. Um, it wasn't just the you know pulling out of the association agreement with with the European Union at the time. It was corruption. It was an abuse of gov- of, of of the people's taxpayer money. Um, it was racketeering. It was police violence and police abuse from the Berkut, which engaged in extremely corrupt practices and torture. Um, and even the hiring of literal, like, common gangsters to brutalize the population. The, that's what the Tatushki were. They would, it'd be like if, if Joe Biden hired MS-13 to go fight, uh, like, Trump, Trump supporters at a Trump rally. It's, abs- it's, it's insane when you really think about it. And so I do think that they are fighting to make their country better. When I talk to Ukrainians about the type of country they want, they talk about one that has a, you know, a, a, a free democratic society where they have freedom of expression. They, they look very favorable upon the system we developed in America, even though it has a lot of problems. Right. So I would say that they are fighting for a better country. Um, there was there was two other <laughs> points that you made. And I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting it right now. I'm very sorry. Could somebody remind me? Uh, Jeff in Louisiana. Oh, he was talking about. Uh, I forget. No, I don't know. Well, man, I appreciate your conversation. I appreciate your, your thoughts. And everything. I mean, y'all have a great day. I hope y'all have a great day. Thank you. Jeff. You have a great appreciate day, too. Oh, I, I remembered one of it. Um, as for America fighting for itself, America was not built. I think on its own, it was like by the efforts of a lot of like patriotic Americans, but it was also due to French support. If it wasn't for the French, we would have lost the Revolutionary War, and we would probably be like the Canadians, still saying hail to the Queen and well, I guess hail to the King now, right? So I I don't think that as nation states we're ever solely reliant on ourselves. We always have allies. We always have relationships, even if it's just as basic as trade relationships to keep our economy stable. And lastly, I do think that there is benefits to the United States to supporting Ukraine. Part of America's most prosperous period in history was after Europe was able to reconstruct itself after we invested into them, and then they bought American products for decades that led us to be an industrial and economic powerhouse. And I think that that transatlantic relationship is still the foundation for American geopolitics geopolitical and economic security and i think including ukraine in that when they have a burgeoning tech sector gigantic amounts of natural gas resources and other type of resources if you want to get you know hillary clinton really excited um i think there are benefits to the united states outside of i think good ideological uh, reasons to support ukraine humanitarian reasons to support ukraine thank you jeff okay thank you all right oh uh, Mike is a first-time caller in California. He has a follow-up on Jeff's points here. Mike, you're live with Dylan Burns and Hake. What's up? Hey, happy to get on. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, what was your guest name? Dylan Burns. Dylan. Dylan, Dylan Burns. I think it's weird how, I don't know, like, you, uh, you seem very communistic. You're all about 
whatever Russia used to believe in. But now that they got all that crap out of Russia and moved to Ukraine, you're all on the Ukraine side. And it's weird to see the left so pro-war on something like this that will start the biggest war we will be seeing in a while. So uh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's kind of weird. What, what, what sounds communistic, just to clarify, to him, um, about him, what he says? Uh, just how freaking how um, how supporting he is on this like all of this all of this that's going on the the happening. Ukraine he's obviously on the left and they're just like not they they're not willing to admit, admit they're communist communists but they are I mean I see his shirt his shirt says Joe um, is yeah, it is it fixed it does. Now? is it fixed Joe for Joe Biden uh, where yeah, where where so the pro- there's a problem. That bothers me. Last time we were interviewed, I was backwards and you were s- forwards. I was mirrored, mm-hmm. and I think we've we're fixing it. Oh, it's it looks good. It looks good. <laughs> so we finally worked out the details. So anyway, uh, oh, yeah. do, is there something to respond to there? Is there a question pointed to that? Um, like I just I don't understand how you can be so pro-war when this is an obviously like it's the wrong stance that Ukraine's taking. Like during the Maidan two. Like, they had a free democratic system, and then they ousted the person that was voted in and replaced it with someone that would play ball. So I don't understand what you're saying. Like, they, they're, like, for free democratic system, but they lock up, like, they're opposing, like, their opponents, and you, like, none, all of these details are being overlooked by the people that support this conflict, and it's, it's very concerning, honestly. So, I, I guess the first thing, as to me being a communist, um... I'm not a communist. Most people on the left, or I guess on the American left-wing political spectrum, are Socialist, communist. Um, I'm not a socialist either. You said they. I mean, most I guess are or are not. Um, I don't. I. I don't know if what if you if you believe like social programs or socialism, right? Like the more stuff a government does, the more socialisms it is, right? The more free roads we produce, the more socialism. Then I guess in that, that sense of like the Rush Limbaugh sense of a socialist, then I guess I'm a socialist, right? But of the um, idea that I believe that fundamentally the workers, not the ca- not the capital owners, but the workers should own the means of production, I haven't necessarily signed on to that. I like worker co-ops. I think they're cool. I like I like uh, certain like government programs like social security and stuff like that but that's what the majority of Americans like and I don't think the majority of Americans would classify themselves as socialists. I think this might yeah. be kind of like a bubble thing, you know? Like that's that's yeah, the lefties so they're all communists, that. you know? That's what all of the, your side has. You guys claim these things, you claim to not be these things, but then when you get really down into the nitty-gritty of it, it kind of sounds like you are, you know? Okay, you what what is the communist value that I hold then? You you don't want like you want the government to be in control of this shit. Keep it clean, Mike. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The, sorry about the, government the government being in control of things isn't communism. I mean, like communism is not when the government is big. Communism is when the workers own the means of production, right? But they're still the government. They are part of the government. Well, many people don't uh, wouldn't serving, say that. For example, like Pinochet's government is a example tell, of a worker owned government. We, we tell ourselves any, that we're not a part of it, but you actually are. What, but you, because I believe that the government should do Social Security? Is that why I'm a communist? I think if these, if these principles that you believe in were truly right, the people would be on board whole, wholeheartedly, but they're not. Most, most Americans are in favor of Social Security. 
Okay, well, not Social Security specifically, okay? Is well, that a communist? I just want to know. Is Social Security a, a communist program? It's done by the government. It's centrally controlled. Is that a communist program? What is? Social Security? Social Security, yeah. I mean, weren't they getting ready to phase that out anyway? No, no, no. Is, it a, so, is it a communist program? I, th I think in a sense, yeah. Well, it's a socialist program for sure. Okay, well, I think we just have totally different definitions of socialism like most people. Because if that's the case, then most Americans are communists, including, I, I think, think, most Republicans. I think most, yeah, I, think, I, I would I, agree, I most of them are. <laughs> they're, they're brainwashed, useful idiots for communism. Or, yeah, you know, or evil, you so, say evil. I just, for me, I feel like we we're diluting what these words mean, right? Like there's, a, there's, a, there's an astute difference between Vladimir Lenin right and joe biden and what they believe in considering joe biden yeah, was a cold war yeah, warrior he fought no, against they, the soviet they, union in, in congress they're both dead so like i don't know what you're trying to get at with that i'm trying to get at that these 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 two people hold very different ideologies and we need words to distinguish them and if joe biden is so, now the same word to describe dead. vladimir lenin how are we going to differentiate these types of people in common com in common parlance if i'm a communist like most people are communists, most Americans are now communists. Yeah. So there's no difference now between me and Vladimir Lenin. We now are using the same word to describe us both, even though we have very different beliefs about the world. I would say I would say that um, Joe Biden, if he was fighting against in the Cold War, he was he was evil because he, he doesn't re really have an ideology. You'll notice that his views have have changed with the winds. So he's a he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that's what a lot of the communists were. That's what all evil people are who are, who are not even communists. There are, there are many um, who are also far left, but they're fascists a little bit to the right of the communists, I get, I've heard. Who are all, some of them were evil as well. So it's just... I, I, go ahead. I don't, it's hard for me to know exactly when a politician is doing something necessarily or because they're just changing positions because they're going with the wind, or it's that... They actually had their minds changed because I would imagine, for example, like when we're talking about somebody like Strom Thurmond, but it's never been right? towards something good that Joe Biden has well, changed on. Well, I would, I would think so. It's just I think we would disagree about what's good <laughs> and what's not good, right? Could say something like like LGBT issues, like he's changing a positive right, way, which yeah. he's probably changing a negative way, yeah. right? We disagree on that. Can I can I answer the other question yes. you put forward though about about Ukraine and like the, the evilness of my support? So I, I probably disagree with a lot of the historical uh, interpretations that you've put forward. For example, um, I don't the think that... The interpretation, the Minx Accords, the interpretation? Well, the, well how you describe the Maidan too, absolutely, is I think is an interpretation. I think it's an ahistorical interpretation as well. Um, when we talk about Yanukovych and we say that was a freely democratic government, let me ask you a question. Would you say the freedom to protest is a, an essential pillar of a free democratic government? I don't know how it works over there, so I couldn't say. Well, well, I'm asking you. Like, if you were, if you had a democracy, I think it's pretty fundamental to basically every democracy that the people be able to express their discontent. If they can't express their discontent, how is it a democracy? That's the only way you get your government to respond. That's how it's supposed to work. If you can't, can if you question. can't have freedom question. of expression, do you agree with January sixth? Uh, do I agree with the motives behind the January sixth protesters? No, I think no, I think they were. Agree that being able to protest is a protected thing that we should have in this country to be a free democratic. Absolutely, absolutely, I believe it's a democratic thing that we should have in this country, and I believe so if, if they wanted to January go 6th? to the Capitol and protest, that they have the right to protest. But can we can okay, we bring so it back to the Euromaidan for a moment? I, do I think they should be locked up if they engaged in any violence towards police or did something like that? Then yes. 
I do believe they should be locked up. If they just so went the there and protested and like held a sign or whatever, then no, I don't think they should be locked up. But they are. But can, I, can, we go, can we go back to, okay, well, okay, do we want to talk about January 6th? Are we talking about, are we pivoting out of here? Okay, so. No, 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 no. go back, go back to the Yanukovych tried to ban protesting while he was in office during the end of his term because the protests got very wild and he didn't like them. And so he tried to make it so any gathering of more than three people was banned and that the, that the, that the government paid uh, Berkut special forces, police forces, or cops could go and take you off the street for protesting. That already, I would think, is against the free democratic society he tried to paint of him. He also hired gangsters, and when I say gangsters, I mean MS-13 style, blood, crip style. I mean murderers, rapists, and thugs. He hired them, sent them out to the street to stab, murder, and provoke protesters and smash up businesses so they could justify a Burkut police response. We know this Do you think after that's the because fact. Because he could have seen like the U.S. involvement in and in the intentions behind those things. What U.S. involvement? The U.S. involvement in the Maidan coup. Could you tell me about it? Uh, it was in 2014, happened during the Olympics. Uh, they started an entire revolution, as they called it. I, I watched We it. started I an entire revolution that. in Ukraine. We did that? We helped, yeah. How did we, how did we help? We sent them ideas, people, money, and resources. We sent them people, money, and resources. What... Where, where did we send this money? What, what 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 resources did we send? Because there wasn't like the Revolutionary Guard Council, okay. and we sent Have them guns the or something. Like, that wasn't like a Victoria Newland is. Do you remember talking about them wanting to oust the person to get someone in that they could they can control? They've had. I'm, I'm, familiar, uh, like, I'm familiar with Victoria helping. Newland's phone call. Victoria Newland's phone call where she said she didn't want the protesters to uh, keep keep protesting. He wanted them to accept the deal. Offered by people don't listen to the home phone call. They'll listen to a certain section where they're like, man, okay, I hope well, this other person gets in there, but they don't listen to the whole phone call. And later she says something like, I hope the protesters accept the deal that Yanukovych offered them, but they didn't. The protesters didn't accept the deal. They kept protesting. And eventually Yanukovych was so hated. And after murdering over a hundred people, he decided he was going to flee the country before he was dragged out by his ears and probably strung up in the street. Or at least put on trial. Uh, but I That's think that considering how much people hated him, that they were going to, that that was a possibility. So he flees the country, he gets out of there. But I don't understand how you would classify that guy as, as a free Democrat, not only as a free Democratic ruler, but as somehow that we controlled or did a revolution if they're going against what we wanted them to do, I mean, which is I, accept I the deal. I can't understand how you see like something as as horrendous as Azov Battalion as being some kind of revolutionaries trying to, like, help the country when they're actually just trying to consolidate The Azov Battalion didn't yeah. overthrow the government. The Azov Battalion didn't exist during the... Yes, they were. They were definitely... The Azov Battalion it. did not exist during the okay. coup. They didn't overthrow. No, the Azov Battalion up, uh, was a volunteer battalion that... One at a time. What time. What the coup. I'm Mike, sorry, but the Azov Battalion didn't overthrow the government. Because the Azov Battalion wasn't in Kiev when the when the revolution happened, and the Azov Battalion wasn't even a thing when the revolution happened. It happened after the revolution. It formed after the revolution to fight Russian separatists in Mariupol and in eastern Ukraine. Okay, Mike. Now respond. I, mean, I don't. Of course, like they weren't one battalion put together by like by themselves in order to be part of the war that's going on now. But leading up to 2014, do you not remember all of the documentaries that were made about the Ukraine? 
all the Nazi camps all over the place? Like, I remember that specifically, and that's what kind of... Like, no, I only remember it after 2014, because that's when the spike and all of the Nazi stuff happened, and when the no, Russians wanted to talk up about to it. 2014. Like, during, like, uh, leading up, and, like, when 2014 happened, like, there was a lot of news coming out about why Trump, or why, why, uh... Uh, Obama at the time would not send weapons to them, would not send them weapons, because he didn't want to be on the side. Of why the would, why would we be sending them weapons before 2014? My concern is not the, the Nazis in Ukraine. My concern is the globo homo Zelensky and, and the globo homo people in NATO supporting that mess. They're like... Yeah, they're, well, they're, it's controlled opposition, and they put him at the head so they can say, oh, he's Jewish, so he's obviously not a Nazi. But that's a, that's a game that's, that's been played over and over again. He won a free and fair election. He beat Poroshenko. I mean, by, by locking it was, up it was a yes. Okay. He okay, didn't yes, beat Poroshenko. What do, you, what do you mean he locked up? So he locked up Poroshenko. Who did he lock up? Tell me a okay, single person. If you can name a single person, not, I would I would be very proud of you. Spend elections during the war right now? Would he did not like lock up did, anyone did to beat Poroshenko in 2019. He wasn't even in power in 2019. How could he have locked up anyone if he was just okay, a comedian? Specifically, his other opposition, everyone else that was speaking out against him. I've read multiple articles what do you, about how... He, okay, I don't know what articles you've read, okay? But it's, nothing happened in 2019. Now, if you're saying you're in 2022, 2023... talking points that we hear everywhere else. You're bringing it up, and I'm just responding to it. You just—I don't think you know a lot of the basics about this. That's all. Cookie cutter answers that we get everywhere else. What do you mean cookie cutter answers? You're giving me information just, just like, oh, the Azov Battalion overthrew the government. No, they didn't. They didn't even exist. How am I supposed to respond to that if what you're saying is just on its face, just factually incorrect? White white supremacy didn't exist at all in the country before. Yes, exactly what I said. When I said the Azov Battalion didn't exist in 2014, what I really meant is that nobody in Ukraine was ever racist, and everybody loved the gays and they're all transgender black and disabled that's what i really meant yes well i mean if it was like that we wouldn't be at war right now would we we would be doubly at war because we would need to defend them 10 times more mm-hmm. yes anything else mike appreciate it man nah, this nah, a lot nah, of this nah, stuff nah. i have no idea what you guys are talking about thanks for thanks for letting me call it yeah hey, thank it you really man good to hear you. um tell jesse i say hi and i will see you guys every morning thank you so much ryan was that the guest uh dylan Dylan, thank you for the discussion, man. I didn't mean to come off of like such a, you know, big A, but. <laughs> no worries, um, man. You have yeah, a good one. Thanks, man. All, All right. right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Dylan, are you able to hold on through a break into the next hour to talk about some domestic issues and maybe. Sure, I know you wanted to talk to me about, um, what was it? The benefits of slavery? Yeah. Is that sure, why not? For you? For five uh, minutes? Sure, I'll take Five minute yeah, break. Yeah, why not? I can, I can take a five minute break. Okay, cool. Guys, this is Dylan Burns with uh, Hake, but it is Men's History Month, and let's play some manly men's history music from, uh, from Hake. This is furthermore uh, from 2003. The track is entitled Deliriously Cold. We'll get to some other topics with Dylan and your calls if you would like to call in. Uh, so you can cover your ears and sing La La La. The Hake Report, or you can grin and bear it, you musical Philistines. Is, oh, is it not in the folder? Oh, my goodness. The Hake Report. Let me put it in. Terrible. Uh, this is from the uh, Tooth and Nail collection. Hake listens to Tooth and Nail a lot. Furthermore, the, the White Man Rap. We played it at the end of White History Month as well. 
last Friday, toward the end. This is Men's History Month now. It's copying over. Goodness. Goodness gracious. Uh, I want to talk to Dylan about uh, Trump being a man of peace. I want to talk to him about uh, the phony outrage, in my opinion, of uh, the slavery-balanced history being taught in, in Florida. And I will also get to your Super Chats. Some, I did see some Super Chats come in for Dylan and for Hake. So we'll read those. Okay, it should be copied over now. Deliriously cold by furthermore and your calls. Some of you guys are already still on hold. Wanted to talk continuously about Ukraine. But here it is. Enjoy. Be right back for hour two. Hang tight. I am deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold emotionally, carrying a tote bag and letting my hope drag in a trail behind me. Wow! This is domestic traveling, and I don't mean to be unraveling my ball of problems all over your leaning shoulder. Wow! Deliriously colder. Wow! Why does philosophy eat philosophy? And now stopily have a talk with me. Hey. I probably have a lot to see wow. and nothing to say now. and in a regular way. Hey. But that's just enough about me. Let's talk about me. Hanging out with a girl named Sally. Speaking of. But my love's a party of one. At least I'm stable without any fun. Like running in circles or running in squares or visiting twin earth where green is blue, but who cares? Now I said the simple sentence, which in a sense is saying pop rock is not dead. I am deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold but I am deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold but I am deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold but I am deliriously cold-hearted. They got you stuff. He's hurt, guinea pig. Must be true love. And oh, sure, I know you're so hardcore. Involved in all of the social lightweights. Good flight rates to find dates. 50 states, which creates many breaks. And heartache, double take, may remake a marriage great. Wow, spontaneous to fake you out. Here she should take him or her out. And discuss why there is no us. And shoot the breeze why there is no we. We will seek thrills in our fantasies. But too much time killed in La La Independent without knowing why you bother. I am deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold am Deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold Deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold Deliriously cold-hearted. Maybe I mean cold Isn't this nice? I know I like it. Probable, profitable, in every way but my pocketbook, bearable, abominable, karma comical, possible causes, jellyfish, random, pandemonium, only when freedom is seen as just for your enjoyment, furthermore is for my enjoyment, furthermore is for your enjoyment. I am deliriously cold-hearted, maybe I mean cold but I am deliriously cold-hearted, maybe I mean cold but I am. So good. Am I right? This is true art. What's up, uh, uh, 
Matt living the dream. Nice to see you, man. I was just thinking about you. Let me read a few super chats. We are live with Dylan Burns, and some of these super chats address Dylan Burns of Dylan Burns TV on YouTube and Dylan Burns 1776 on Twitter. Uh, Dylan, thanks for hanging hanging through the top of the hour here into this second hour. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to look at these questions. Your audience (laughs) is known for its politeness. Indeed. And and and, and uh, I, their diplo- the diplomacy is is world <laughs> renowned. So I'm excited. In that, on that note, Eli Ja donated a diamond on D Live, saying every aspect of this war is orchestrated by J3WS. Uh, yeah, no, I don't believe that. Uh, I don't. No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many other I because I I love I, I mean I don't love these like conspiracy theories that like say that it's all connected to this one overarching like power. There are so many different interest groups when a war starts. There's people who want to make money off the war. There's people who want to gain resources from the conquest. There's military interests. For example, the basins of Astapol. There's national identity. There's uh there's questions of of human rights and democracy and systems of government and the clash of identities and there's so many different interests and and reasons and motivations for all these people to kind of just be like well it was all probably just this very small religious group that did it actually i just i I find it very hard to believe without you know some evidence okay uh now i don't think he meant religious but but i understand what do you mean what did what did he mean then i think he meant because there are some very atheistic jewish people who are influential in that way but anyway the point is taken. Um, yeah. Eli Jaw with another diamond. Dylan, are you really in Kiev? And he spelled it K-I-E-V. I think you might spell it of K-Y-I-V. Course. <laughs> of course. I, yeah, I spell it the way that the locals spell it. Um, <laughs> I, I, that, but that's also true for everywhere I go. When I go to Zaporozhia, I say Zaporozhia. I don't say it what I suppose, like the Ukrainian like language way. And the reason why is because the people there say it to me in Russian. Right. And so that's what I I speak it the way the Ukra- the locals speak it. I think it makes sense to do it that way, right? Um, For years it so, was but, KIEV but, in in America, though, right? And then we changed in America, it to and we now it's, it it's the war KYIV, too. which is the Ukrainian way of saying it. Which I think that it makes sense to say it the way that the local people use it. I think it just makes sense. Okay, but didn't it change? With the onset um, of the war, because I remember seeing it's a, KIEV. There were, it depends on the book. It depends on the publication. Some of it said it the Ukrainian way. Some of it said it the Russian way. But now it's dominated by the Ukrainian way of saying it in the West. Kind of like how they capitalized the B in the word black after George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter riots. They started call, capitalizing the B in the word black to kiss up to the blacks rather than have, using lowercase b f- for black for uh, black Americans. You know, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Oh, you, you're wow. Have to you send gotta, me something on that. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. Hake news is late news, but it's new news for Dylan Burns. It is new news to me. I never, I never <laughs> heard of the um, the upper clay, the uppercase B uh, right. political agenda. It became widespread in among the mainstream media. Okay, uh, but Eli Jai, I didn't even finish his diamond. Dylan, are you really in Kiev or West Hollywood? He asks. Obviously, I am in the the compound of Jeffrey Epstein's old island. I'm in the deep. I mean, deep nethers of the mountains, right next to the the Maxwell torture chamber. 
Do you know um, that- I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there are some people. I don't know why they like just think I didn't actually go to Ukraine. You can go to my YouTube channel. There's tons of footage of it online, um, photographs. But maybe it's all green screened. Which, if it is all green screened, then this is a fantastic grift, and I'm I'm I should be hired in Hollywood. I think. I think I need a job. Well, he said West Hollywood specifically, and that's a reference to the LGBT community, which I think is you that- support them. And yeah. everything's flying over my head today. And I, yeah, and I think he's trolling. I feel, like everything's, I feel like everything that's supposed to offend me is just going <laughs> over my head, you know? Nice. That's good. That's cool. Same here. That happens with me a lot. Um, Hake somethings Christianly, and I'm censoring the, uh, the username, is Hake. Well, okay, I'll read it out loud. Don't say this, kids. I'll read it out loud just for you, uh, you two people who like this name. Hake farts Christianly is his username. Wow. Because I'm very Christian, right? Uh, does Dylan know he sound like a beta? He asks on Rumble. Do I know that I sound like a beta? <laughs> well, I don't think I sound like an alpha. I think I sound like an omega. What, what's the omega? I think there's like a third one, right? The omegas? Uh, there's also the sigmas, right? Yeah, De- Destiny thinks he's a sigma, I think. I don't think I'm a sigma. I'm probably an omega, I think. I, I, I don't know what my, my red pill star sign is. I don't know. All right. Riley JM with, thank you, uh, Hake something blanks Christianly. Riley JM on Streamlabs says, All this bomb talk from Dylan makes me think of the movie The Hurt Locker, which I haven't seen, Dylan, but do you know the reference? I saw it when I was like seven, and then I never saw it again. And I feel like, number one, why did I see it when I was seven? Um, but also, I just I haven't followed up on it. I, I remember the one scene where they run away from God, somebody that was strapped up with bombs, but I haven't actually sat down and watched it again. Maybe I should do this. The big, the mine movie that actually, I think, had the most impact on me was called This Land of Mine, which covered how German POWs after the first war, after the Second World War were, were then made to clear the minefields that they had laid in Denmark and across the across the continent and a lot of them died from you know poor equipment poor treatment and just you know getting killed by landmines fan it was a really good movie i recommend it this land of mine okay thank you for the tip man uh a couple of coffees on buymeacoffee.com slash the hate report carver says very interesting info from dylan especially the 40 percent dud rate he says my ex-wife had the same problem and i don't know why i'm laughing it sounds like it might be funny I don't fully understand it. Uh, I think I think it was meant to be funny. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I, I, the thing that really got me about the cluster munitions story is that cluster munitions have been being used in this war since day one. But it didn't get any coverage. And then Joe Biden signed the cluster munitions over. And then all of a sudden, all the NGOs, all the different groups, all of a sudden had something to say. And I'm not even objecting to them saying something about it. I just wish they were allowed for the entirety that these types of weapons have been used in the war zone. Because I've been hearing reports from soldiers directly about cluster munitions usage, sometimes even the usage of things that are not uh, like, like, I mean, like weapons of war, like butterfly mines, which are very indiscriminate towards civilians. I've seen a lot of butterfly mines in this country, and those things are evil. I mean, those are, those are evil weapons. Um, so I just wish that there was more attention to this earlier. I'm, ha- I'm happy it's getting some attention now. I just wish it was, you know... I just wish it got the attention it always deserved. It's not necessarily hypocrisy or anything like that. It's just that people aren't aware until something goes kind of viral. Wait, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not no, accusing I, I, the general person. I'm I more angry at the news companies. Okay. 
stand up a little bit to show your shirt some some way because I want s- people to be able to see your shirt that says Joe. Uh, <laughs> and and describe. Oh, okay. So it has a picture of Joe Biden in sunglasses in like red, white, and blue, and it says Joe J O in blue, and then the E, the three. My uh, hunter, my hunter shirts in the wash. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't really have a problem with Hunter. I don't. I don't. Maybe I should. Anyway, Karen. I just wanted people to see that. Karen Williams bought ten coffees. By the way, I'm wearing a a Hake T-shirt that says "Cool." I neglected. I was remiss in not saying that. It has a picture of Hake and it says "Cool." K C O O hyphen A L. That's how I pronounce it. Just for the people, you can go to thehakereport.com and get that tea. Through Teespring. You can go to JoeBiden.com if you want to get this one. Really? Yeah. It's a pretty cool design, but I disavow Joe Biden completely. He's a a snake in the grass, I say. A wolf in sheep's sheep's clothing. Do you think people know that they're wolves in sheep's clothing? Can can you be a wolf in sheep's clothing and not know it? The general. I think so. I think so. I think... um, I think sometimes people act in, de- uh, in somewhat deceptive ways or, or uh, very um, way- ways that are very they they behave differently around people than other people like that they're yep. you know interested in, in trying to get something out of. I don't even think they all necessarily even notice when they're doing it. A lot of people have like bad behaviors like that and they don't even know when they do it. Right. But I think a lot of them also do. But it's it's hard to say. It would be on a case by case basis. Karen Williams bought ten coffees. Hi, Master Hake, in my Marilyn Monroe voice. Oh, I don't know her voice that well. And Marilyn Monroe, yikes, she says intimates, uh, ready to serve you, sir. Just fun and wit. Yeah, James, can I get a lashing, please? <laughs> Terrible. Okay, that's too flirty. Uh, but thank you, um, Karen Williams, for the support. Appreciate you. Not oh. a big fan when your fans flirt with you. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of that either. Nice. Good. Uh I got to get to Kendall in Florida. He's on the line and wants to continue about this Ukraine war thing before we get to the domestic stuff. So, sure, why not? Kendall in Florida, thanks for calling and holding, man. You're on with Dylan Burns. Hey, what's up? Hey, did you measure JLP's forehead yet? I have not measured JLP's forehead. Okay, because he's got a melon on him. Indeed. Hey, listen, um, this Ukraine fake war over there. Fake all war. All they're doing is uh, rescuing all the child trafficking domes. Stay close to your phone. Chopper. Stay close to your phone, Kendall. It's coming through a touch quiet for me. I said these, uh, this fake war in Ukraine, Zelensky, the comedian, uh, with the Mockingbird media, I said all it is is uh, Putin cleaning up all the child trafficking uh, uh, domes over there. Wow. Underground child trafficking domes. That's really? All it is. Yeah. Now, are you, on, do you, are you on speakerphone, man? C- stay really close to your phone, your receiver. No, I'm not on speaker. <laughs> nice. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. That's much better. Appreciate that. Uh, but you caught what he said, right, uh, Dylan? Yeah, the child trafficking. Um, is there? I, I don't want to cut him off. If he has any, any like evidence or something you want to provide for that, I'd be evidence. very happy to hear about it. Yeah. And, uh, first of all, you're crazy about Russia. What are you talking about? I, I, I didn't ask. I just asked if you had any evidence. Evidence of child trafficking? 
Well, evidence that that because Putin Switzerland? didn't say he invaded to stop child trafficking. Putin said he invaded to you know reunite the historic Russian peoples to beat the Nazis. He said all this other. He never said anything about child trafficking during his over yeah. hour long speech that he invaded. If he was doing that, I think he would have said it, right? So the Pentagon, so the Pentagon's laundering, laundering billions of dollars through the, the fake Ukraine war. Okay, if you believe anything, what, what do you say fake Ukraine war? What do you mean by you that? You are a dummy. You are a dummy. Whoa, whoa. Okay. If you I, believe anything the Mockingbird media says about the UK war, you're a dummy. But, there, but I, there's I, facts. Clear, you can say there's, not couldn't fake, there be facts though, mixed right? in with some misdirection and lies? Zelensky, the comedian. He's a puppet. <laughs> well, okay, let me ask you a question. Trump, Trump was a TV star, elite. right? Trump was a TV star. He was on The Apprentice. You know, very popular TV show. Got a lot of viewership. What if I said, look at this performative clown. Obviously, he's a plant by the Russians to take over America. And I could say, you know, a bunch of stuff that I don't have evidence for and just make assumptions. Well, hey, say PDFs or something. My point is... You know, the fact that Zelensky was a comedian and he got, was part of the reason he got elected, because in Ukraine, they, there was a very anti-establishment wave where people didn't like the corruption. People didn't like the elites that had been controlling the country and monopolizing its wealth and its resources for decades. And so, many in the same way that people... Hey, one at a time, Kendall. Kendall, Kendall, hold on, man. Kendall. It's all garbage, garbage, garbage. It may be, but... but it, this is the Hague report, and you, and you talk one at a time. I'll put you on hold. Uh, I'll put you on hold if you can't control yourself. Okay, Kenneth. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, so the the anti-establishment wave came out for Zelensky. The whole reason he won was because he was running on this. The establishment sucks. I'm a comedian, and I might not have a lot of experience, but I'm literally not the establishment. And so people voted for him. Maybe many in the same way that people voted for Trump because people thought Trump was a Molotov cocktail to the establishment, which had neglected the needs of the American people for a very long time. Even though they had, of course, different political like beliefs and stuff, the same anti-establishment wave got them both elected. Trump, somebody with no political experience and has been like on TV shows putting Trump vodka, pushing Trump steaks, pushing Trump casinos. This is this is not somebody deep in the political scene, at least not as deep as somebody like Hillary Clinton, for example, yet he beat Hillary Clinton, who had much more political experience, who had much more time in the executive branch working as Secretary of State. So if it's ridiculous that a comedian won in Ukraine and it's impossible to believe, how can you believe Trump won in the United States? Well, first of all, the voting machines... Uh... <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa! We don't, we don't talk about that. It was everything was on oh, the up and up. Okay. But we're yeah. talking about how Trump won, not how Trump <laughs> lost. And and I disavow that. <laughs> you guys don't believe anything, man. Wow. But thank you, man. I appreciate it, Kendall. It's a great call. All right, baby. Thank you, man. Happy Men's <laughs> History Month. I'm happy we did that call. Nice. <laughs> I, I I I I understand that some you know a lot of people don't trust the mainstream media and that's fine. Right. You know they have corporate advertisers. You cannot like hosts, but I don't like and they have the. A culture and I think that's this, different from the general public. 
It, it depends. I think a lot of the news stations build their coverage for specific subcultures within America, MSNBC, Fox News. So I think that they're playing to an audience that already exists. Part yeah. of the reason we have such a shitty media is, and I hate to say this, and people don't like it, is because we're also kind of a shitty people. We love to say our political opponents are all communists, or our political opponents are all fascist, evil. Like you know, all we, right. we love to do that as Americans. We're very divisive. It's always been like that from from like the beating, like Charles Sumter, like with the caning, and like in the lead up to the Civil War. We've always had a certain amount of po political divisiveness, but we cannot allow that political divisiveness or dislike of of mainstream media to turn into just contrarianism and when we're saying that the war is fake we're just we're just del delving into contrarianism the evidence of the i mean you could come to ukraine if you want if you truly think it's fake and anybody truly thinks it's fake i will pay you a thousand no ten thousand dollars if you come here to ukraine and prove it ten thousand dollars all right um that reminds me before i get back to calls nathan in illinois has a personal question for you uh real quick are you familiar with Coach Red Pill, Gonzalo Lira? Yes, Gonzalo Lira. He got uh, rearrested what's, again. What's your, I'm very what's, familiar with the case. Tell tell his story in a in a minute or two or or less. Um, um of him getting I, into say, getting into pro Russia uh, propaganda, if you will, or journalism, if you will, and then getting getting what he's been through and your take on it. Sure. I, I'm going to, well, I don't want to, I want to make sure my explanation, my explanation is somewhat biased because I don't like Coach Red Pill and Coach Red Pill doesn't like me. Yeah. Uh, so I just, he, he, he said he wanted to debate people on Ukraine and then I offered and then he blocked me. So I, I don't know why he didn't want, but whatever. Um, I don't know how he first got into it, but he used to be a dating coach and then he transitioned into coverage of the war. He moved to Ukraine and during his time in Ukraine, he seemed to kind of become less and less favorable towards the Ukrainian nation and would turn more and more that the Ukrainian nation state is evil, the Ukrainian government's evil. Up until the, the invasion, when the invasion happened, he just explicitly endorsed it. He explicitly endorsed the invasion, explicitly endorsed the bombings, and, and even denied like very well-documented war crimes like in Bucha. Eventually, this ran him afoul of the Ukrainian government, who sent out people to his location and said, look, if you keep doing this, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. If you want to leave the country and do this, you can leave the country and do this. But if you're going to be in Kharkiv and denying that these bombings are happening as they're actively happening, and you're, and you're saying that more people should be bombed, you, we're not going to allow you to do that. And so they, let him, they leave him alone for a bit. He continues to do it. And so they go back and they raid his place. They arrest him. They throw him in prison. And recently he got out of prison. And then he booked it to the border, and I don't know why he did this. And I know this is my bias coming out, but this was really stupid of him. He then, while he was fleeing to Hungary, apparently for political asylum, tweeted that he was fleeing to Hungary, trying to, you know, gain political asylum, on his way to the border, and then tried to cross the border. Number one, if you're trying to flee the government undetected, don't tweet about it. I, I, I just, you know, I think pro tip. Uh, number two... Uh, I've crossed the border in Ukraine many times. That border is militarized. They've got people are armed. They're heavily armed. The only thing they don't got on the border probably is like armored vehicles. But people got machine guns. People got they're ready. They're ready for something to happen. Right. If there's any country that's more you know, nervous about its border, it's probably the Ukrainians. And so I didn't ex I don't know what his plan was exactly. Was he just going to book it across the border? Either way, he got caught. And now he's back in prison. and He's facing five to eight years. He at one point, uh, people thought that he had been killed. That was maybe before yep. the first time he got captured. 
Yeah, a lot of people thought that he got killed, and some people were even saying they got reports that he was killed, but all of that ended up not being true. His real name is Gonzalo Lira, formerly known as Catch- Coach Red Pill. Is he Peruvian or American or both? Chilean, I think. Okay. Uh, so that's... All right, all right. So he's in... Uh, you said he did get custody. some help from the Chilean embassy, but very little from the American embassy. Okay. Uh, let's get to Nathan in Illinois, who has a question that you may or may not want to answer. Um, Nathan in Illinois, you're live with Dylan Burns and Hake. Hey, Dylan. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay, all things considered. Nice. Uh, so I've just got a question for you. Uh, feel free not to answer it if it makes you uncomfortable or whatever. Um, are you a Christian? It, it's, it's, it actually it's a hard question for me to answer. Um, I'm not particularly religious, but I was raised Christian, and my mother was Christian, and I try to keep a certain amount of my faith, if not only to keep a relationship with my mother who uh, passed away a few years ago. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, I mean... I'm a Christian. I was raised Catholic, and I sort of overcame that, and I realized it was sort of a method of control for the masses, and it's a sort of manipulation. Can, can you? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. Can you? When you say you overcame that, I'm. I'm. I'm not familiar with what so, that would mean. What I've found is that Christianity is all about overcoming the world and overcoming different things that come at you, different lies, different thoughts, different ideas. Mm-hmm. So what I've found about the Ukraine war is that it's nonsensical. Um, you Both uh, Ukrainians and Russians descended from the same tribe. So it's uh, if anything, Satan has you guys just exterminating each other. And I hope you can see that eventually. Would you say that the American Revolutionary War was just a bunch of people killing their brothers? Because, you know, the British were actually, like, we were directly descendants of British colonialists. I mean, if anything, that would be more directly connected than how it is now in Ukraine. I mean, we were literally trying to break away from the government. The Ukrainian government's existed for 30-something years, and the Ukrainian Socialist Republic existed since the 50s. So, would you also say the American Revolution was a bunch of... You know, George Washington was controlled by demons or something? I wouldn't say that. I don't know. I wasn't there. But you make a fair argument. I'll give you that. I just think that there are there are differences between the Ukrainian people, whether it be their language, whether it be their literature, whether it just be their national identity. National identities form in so many different ways. Taiwan is a fantastic example of that. If you talk to young Taiwanese people, even though they do have deep cultural ties with mainland China, they very much identify as Taiwanese. And when it comes to their li- like the liberal democracy and the certain freedoms that they've developed. And when you talk to Ukrainians, they have a very similar, maybe it's not exactly the same with Taiwan, obviously, but they very much feel very proud of their language they're very much proud of their literature their poems um their their history and the fact that they want an independent state not to mention the ukrainian system of government is markedly different than the russian system of government and so if we're if we're relating that back to the british uh like the revolutionary war i think the battle of systems of government is also an important aspect here that's not talked about there was a peaceful transfer of power between Zelensky and petro poroshenko even though they were political opponents that is significant 
that shows the uh, a democracy functioning as it should be, which is not the same case across the border. And so I think that many Ukrainians, definitely from my conversations with them, want to protect that, want to protect in their mind the victories of the Euromaidan revolution. Okay, fair enough. I mean, at the same time, though, like, we, we should see that, like, because... I don't know. Like, I met some Ukrainian girls the uh, past weekend. They're immigrants. And they also had a Russian friend, and they were, like, pretty cool. I was just, like, giving them guff. I was, like, I, like, like, spitting out, like, nationalist, like, jargon sarcastically, like, kind of messing with them. It was kind of funny. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I just wanted to tell you that. Are you Ukrainian? Uh, no, I'm not Ukrainian. No? Okay. Yeah. So, do, so what are you doing there? You just enjoy like covering it, like in your own way. Well, I'm a I'm a, I'm a war journalist, and I'm covering oh, okay. the war. I I believe what was the it was the I think it was the managing editor of the Wall Street, of the Washington Post in the '60s. He said this, but I believe that yeah. the first draft of history is journalism. That if something isn't documented, something isn't recorded, the picture isn't taken, then for the history books, it's like it never happened. And when you think of how many wars and conflicts and historical moments didn't have cameras, didn't have people recording stuff, it wasn't properly documented, I think it's a real shame. And so if I can contribute to that that histori- this, that historiography in a way, that, that documentation of history, um, then I feel like I'm contributing something to, to I think, like the general knowledge of mankind. And I, and I think that's a worthwhile contribution. I also do believe that the Ukrainians should have their own country, and I do agree with the their their self-defense but i but when it comes to why i do what i do that's the reason yeah you you said something that just came back to me you were talking about like uh ukrainian people wanting their own branch or form of government and wanting it to operate independently but i don't know like i can't with with the widespread misinformation from both sides russia ukraine coming to america i don't i can't make a rational decision upon which is which because i don't know i don't live there so same seems to me like it maybe evil versus evil man right which is one that goes back to my original point of satan just turning one against each other yeah but i don't know i'm not there so anyway yeah i mean i i want to give you some wise advice that jesse taught me uh even though your mom's not here anymore, I'd recommend you forgive her. Yeah, Jesse told me that too when he interviewed me. Um, On the fallen state. Yeah, I didn't know how I felt about it then, and I don't know how I feel about it now, because I don't know necessarily what I would be forgiving her for, and the things that I could surmise that I could forgive her for, I don't know how much that would really help me to... Like, right. say out loud, like, I forgive you for this thing that I'm not can particularly I, feeling that I need to forgive you for. Okay. Can I tell you how that's helped me? Sure. I, I do want to respond to the evil versus evil thing. Yeah. Um, I, let if me you go, go into this real quick. So, when I, okay. when I forgave my mother, I started mm-hmm. to see that I was becoming the man that God created me to be. Gotcha. And I've, it con- it's been continuously going forward and forward and getting better and better. Did so you like? Did you know Nathan that you resented your mother before that? Uh, I had a feeling because I could tell how I resented women at large. Because a lot of so, people yeah. don't know that they resent their mothers or that there's yeah. Like it's, it takes the 
it takes a good deal of discernment and sight, but at the same point, at the same time, like one must understand that when you when you're able to see something and you don't know, but you can still see it, that's that's God moving within another. How did you find but, out that you re- resented your mother? Other than just hating women, how did you find out that you, you resented your mother specifically? Well, it just made sense because she was always like, all the, I could see how, well, now looking back, I could see how I was always a mama's boy and I like, it just was disruptive to my life path for quite quite some time until I made that adjustment. Like right when I heard Jesse say that, I was like, oh, Oh, so you were ready to hear it. Sparks started flying. I was like, that's that's just what I needed. Nice, man. But, I mean, maybe, I mean, that's what he says. Suffer if you don't want to. But it seems like you're doing relatively well, Dylan, so. It reminds me of what our, our prior conversation during Super Chats of, uh, do you, can one, can one know, can one be a wolf in sheep's clothing and not know it? I think that's the same thing of having resentment toward Parent, mother, parents, and not realizing it or how much it's maybe affecting you in your other areas of life. I remember. I think. I think the one way that my my familial upbringing, because there was a lot of, I would say, chaos in my familial familial upbringing because of my mother's, you know, uh, addiction and uh, you know her uh, homelessness. Like she, she was not behaving as as a mother should behave, uh, to put it bluntly. Um. I think the, I don't know if I ever resented her, um, but I do know that in a way that I kind of tied my life to her in a way that, and her problems in a way that I don't know was the healthiest for me, where anytime I would run into a problem in my, let's say, academics or my, you know, political activism or something like that, I would be like, oh, in a way, I'm failing the progress that would be needed so nobody in the future will have to deal with and I tied myself kind of in a way to like I need to fix the problem that caused this in my life like I individually need to do that and that was something that I've in the last few years I feel like I've let go of a little bit more and while of course I still want to contribute to the fight against addiction I'm I less I think mentally put it all on my shoulders in the same way that I used to right yeah but I I see that but we're much we're much greater creations than just mentally you see, like we have, we have souls, we have hearts, and once you're able to put all of those in sync, synchron, sync, synchrony, sync. I don't know, sync. I'm I'm white privilege and slow. <laughs> once you're able to put everything in sync, that's when you're able to just sort of move your way closer towards God and know Him better. But yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. I the- felt. I felt obligated to share with you Dylan I appreciate that nice change of pace Nathan appreciate you man I, no I, I do want to say uh, quickly in oh, response yeah, you to something you wanted to... he said and you said and the evil thing the two sides of evil right evil and, versus and evil war is evil in and of itself because in war civilians die in war fathers are taken away from dinner tables it is an inherently evil thing and evil things happen within it. The What we need to do, though, when wars are being fought, for good and or bad reasons, is do our best to try to 
you know, contain those evils as much as possible. That's why you try your best to contain for collateral damage and you just don't level every city you run into in a war trying to kill everything in sight, right? Uh, we aren't like a Mongol horde, like just like raiding and pillaging and like that's not how a modern army should conduct itself. Unless you're General but evil Sherman. Is Unless just you're Tecumseh Sherman and you want to and you want to uh, purge the evil of rebellion from the south, but um, I I do think that it is true that there have been crimes on both sides, but I think that there's a disproportionate amount of crimes on the Russian side, and even if there's evil in all sides of any military army, there was evil in American soldiers during World War One. There was evil in American soldiers during every war that ever existed, or any soldier and any army that ever existed. Um, but that doesn't change, I think, the the strength of their argument that they deserve independence, the strength of their argument that they deserve to have their own democracy if they want to, and that they have a right to their own land. All nations have their own land that they hold dear, that it's nearly holy to them. The idea of Americans giving up New York, like, no, oh, give New York City over to the Germans or give California, oh, give, that would I'll be ridiculous to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand some conservatives jokingly, though, but the idea of actually giving up large swaths of our territory where we don't know what's going to happen to those people. Are they going to be killed? Are they going to be kicked out of their homes? According to executive orders passed by Putin, they can be kicked out of their homes. They can be deported. They can lose their right to own property. Uh, I think that once you put that all on the table and you understand what the stakes of the war are, while you want to limit as much evil as possible, there's still an outcome I would like to see, which I think would be the least evil outcome. And that is Ukrainians get their own country. Ukrainians can run their own affairs as they want to with with their own democracy. And the Russian soldiers go home, just like how many of these colonial wars have ended in, in Algeria, in the Congo, in Vietnam in Afghanistan, many, many colonial or, ant or or any of these like wars overseas have ended, and and they and they don't always end the same way, but they have a you know they have a similar beat to it. Okay, yeah. Well, I noticed you said uh, mo disproportionately Russia is acting in crime, having war crimes. Yeah, it's um, it's I, 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 it's to like a certain I extent. Like I think it's cultural, but I also think it's also just about a, 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 a question of means. If you have more Absolutely. bombs and you have a stronger air force, then obviously you're probably going to be able to commit a lot more war crimes. Plus, the war is on right. Ukrainian soil. It's going to be pretty hard for a Ukrainian soldier to go into Russia and start, you know, extrajudicially killing Russians. Not that I think Ukrainian soldiers particularly want to do that, but if you if you're not in Russia, you can't really do that, can you? Right. What do you what do you think about women serving in the front line in combat? I I think it's fine. I've met uh, women who serve in territorial defense in Zaporozhye. I've met uh the, the thing that's really crazy about Ukraine and it really kind of angers me because people's type of sort of hyper focus on like the hype like the na super ultra nationalist sections of the military is the Ukrainian military is unbelievably diverse from so many sections of society whether it be Crimean Tatars whether it be people from eastern Ukraine western Ukraine Ukrainian speakers Russian speakers men women uh, Romani people um all sorts of different people that have that have signed up to join and and that that I and that does include a uh, women who have also joined the armed forces a lot of women at checkpoints right. Military checkpoints, my, in my experience. My on that. So it may seem well-intended, but ultimately, if the Russians are setting, sending prisoners to fight in the front lines who haven't seen women in years, and we're sending, Ukraine is sending women to the front lines, they're being set up for failure and humiliation 
like if they get caught captive, what like God only knows how horribly they're going to be treated. So it may would you? But I mean, would you apply that same that standard here. to like Jewish soldiers during World War II? Because there were Jewish American soldiers who went to Europe and fought the Nazis. But if they were caught and they found like a Star of David tattooed on them or like a necklace with the Star of David, I assume they'd probably get worse treatment. But I, I think ultimately that's up to the individual. If you've decided that knowing that, that the army you're fighting hates you or will treat you in a certain way different because of who you are, that will actually, in a way, be a motivator for many people because they feel like, well, I don't want these guys to occupy my village. If, if this is what they'll do to me if on the battlefield for a free fight for a year or two, the last thing is I want these people in charge of my village, in charge of my city, in charge of my country. If, if we're scared of these soldiers even touching women or being near women because of what they could do to a woman POW, what does that say about them being in control of major metropolitan areas full of hundreds of thousands of civilians? For them, they are the last line between... Uh, uh, I don't want to. I don't know how to properly describe it. I get your but point. But pillaging, though. raping, and murder—they're the last line between their their families and these that type of violence. And so many of them make the decision that they'll go through with it anyway. I mean, I talk to gay soldiers who fight in Ukrainian military. They give me a very similar sentiment about, yeah, no, if I get captured and they find out, I am fucked. Oh, keep, sorry, yeah, I can't yeah. language. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, kids. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate you, man. Right. Great call. Appreciate you guys, bud. All right. Um, Dylan, I don't know if you have f 15 or so mi minutes. I can, I can do 10. The problem okay. is it's like it's going on 9 p.m. And I got to go get out and get something to eat before curfew. Because oh, okay. if I don't, then I can't eat tonight. You know? Okay. Let me get right to uh, these last two calls then. We'll do uh, three minutes apiece and then uh, let you close out. Um, Dope. Let's do it. Cool. Gabriel Jabril in Canada. Make it quick, man. Uh, you're on with Dylan Burns. Uh, greeting, guys. Dylan, Hake. Um, yeah, um, I just wanted to say that, look, I'm, I'm from Chechnya. I don't know if you know. We're not far from you guys. Mm -hmm. Hello there? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay, hear. good. Uh, yeah, we're not far from there. And when I was a child, I believe it was 8, 7, the war broke up with Russia in 94. Uh, it was right before Christmas. So, you know, I'm a child just seeing what's going on from place to place, and then finally we immigrated to Canada. Most of my life I lived in Canada and stuff. And um, um, I'm basically a religious man. Like, I understand the concept that um, um, the war, because I would analyze what happened there as an adult now, right? What happened with my people in Russia. So I came to a realization that uh, we were used we were used simply because of our character. We're very hard-headed people, right? We overreact and stuff like that. So, and I looked at the, I knew right away, I didn't, I didn't blame Russians for that because I understand it's so foolish to take uh, a, a label and say the old people are crazy. It's, it's, it's not logical. So, but I understood that for whatever reason, just like uh, Germany, uh, when Hitler convinced somehow his people to start the war, I understood that uh, the means of which you convince people to fight, they always presented in light, so much so that the person was ready to give his own life away. Um, and um, I looked back and I'm like, so what's the result of the war? And the result was that people scattered around the world. Um, now we have taxes system of taxation before we never had. My people never had taxes. Uh, 
uh, now we have our systems in place, and uh, a lot of people are being forced to go to war against their will. Um, those who don't fight, right, currently, yeah. uh, who don't want to go to fight in Ukraine. And I know that there's some Chechens fighting with Ukraine against current Russian regime. I, I, I'm aware mm -hmm. of that as well. I've seen but their flags, actually. To... I've seen their flags around. Sorry? He's seen their I've flags. Seen the... I've seen their flags yeah, like, yeah. on battalions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get yeah, right to I'm it, Gabriel. We're going to have to hang up in 30 seconds. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Okay, what I'm trying to say, Dylan, look, these things, if you sit down and analyze, it, they tell us whatever they need to tell us to come to certain conclusions and take the guns. We need to seek for God, because when we let go of God, war is inevitable. War began long time ago. It just shows itself right now. But anyways, anyways, guys, uh, peace and love, uh, Dylan. Uh, emotions, the best way to control people to take up the arms and go kill another, his brother. And geographically saying, the best you are, the best your neighbor. Uh, if you take care of your neighbors, you'll be best. Anyways, guys, thank you very much. Have a good one. Appreciate you, Jabril. Uh, any follow-up on that, uh, Dylan? I mean, I think war is obviously... People. Somebody said earlier I was pro-war. Most people would never, ever describe themselves as pro-war. Right. Like, if America got invaded tomorrow, Hank, by the by communist China, and they said, Hank, you're going to you're going to read their little red book, and you're going to be a good little soldier for Mao, right? Obviously, you'd probably be like, no, nah, I don't like that. I think this is a circumstance where America should defend itself and not allow this to happen, right? And you might not like war, but the circumstances that you find yourself in history makes it so that you have no choice but to say we must defend ourselves. I gotcha. And so, in a very similar, I feel a very similar way about Ukraine. I, I think that a lot of times, like, I don't think Abraham Lincoln was a particularly bloodthirsty president. I think the circumstances of his presidency put a war at his feet and he had to deal with it. And a lot of presidents, I think, uh, and a lot of political leaders, and I don't want to, like, make it easy on them, but they get the administration in the country they're put in, not the one that they would want. And if their country is at that moment in history, they're just going to have to deal with the moment that their country's in. That, you know, the, the circumstances of the, of the situation, they can't, if they can't change it, then they have to deal with it. And so Ukrainians are in that situation now. And as much as I would hope that God would come to their rescue, I've been here in a while and I've yet to see God save any of the civilians um, that I've seen injured or hurt or, or the soldiers that have had to march off the battle. If God, sooner God intervenes, the better in my opinion. Um, but also, the Bible is not a completely pacifistic book. Right. I think some people try to overemphasize that or they'll concentrate on certain parts of the New Testament. Jesus brought a sword. Um, there are passages in the Bible that are pretty explicit about God's, like, like people who are follower of God's faith going to war and fighting wars, righteous wars. So, I, I mean, we might have a different religious interpretation because he's Chechen, so he might be Muslim. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he is. Um, so we probably have a different religious interpretation or we came from a different religious tradition. But I don't think that any major religion, especially I don't think Islam either, would completely throw off the idea of needing to fight wars of necessity at times. If God can intervene in this war and end it right now and send the Russian soldiers home, please do. I would, I would love that. Can you take my favorite caller, Maze, from Dayton, Ohio? Sure. My sure, I can, I can take one more caller. Maze, you're live with Dylan Burns. Make it quick. Well, Dylan, you are a journalist. They don't understand some of the listeners in the college. They don't understand what a journalist is and a person that's traveled the world and seen it. Make it the difference quick. between what oh, they've never been anywhere and live in this country, and they think this country is the, the 
is supposed to have wars and go and take over other people countries and then they think the same thing should happen in this one when it comes to different people they're not supposed to have their own things that look like you it's supposed to be what we want you to do and that's the way they want to leave it but it's not happening that way so that's why you see all this hatred because everybody don't believe in war because if they were not over in other countries these people wouldn't be over here disturbing their homelands so that's the way I see it. But it's, I'm glad you told them the difference between the generalists. They have copies, pictures, and they document what happened in history. That's why they want to destroy all the history books so they won't realize what really happened so it will never happen again. Did you have, so a, quest- was, did you have a question in addition to this uh, yes, vote of support for him? Yes, I do. I said he, he's traveled the world, and he's seen the world, and he's seen the difference in the people from the different countries that y'all think that uh, y'all love Putin. That's the problem. <laughs> And he hadn't figured that out. That's their problem, dear. How is they love, love a problem? They don't even understand why. And that's why the people can't be happy on their own land. Because somebody else want to come in and take over their, 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 their goods that they have, to take in, in their resources to take them and use them and make money off of them. That's the problem with some of the things that we see happening in this world. Anything, Dylan? I think that um, it's hard to say exactly all of the motivations that went into the Russian decision to invade Ukraine. You can listen to Putin's speech, right? But we both know that politicians are not always forthright with all the reasons that they go to war. Right. Um, or we really do anything. But especially when we talk about something as divisive or as, you know, historic as going to war, it's not always 100% clear. I think that resource um, or having control of Ukrainian resources is probably part of it. When you consider how much energy that is under Ukrainian soil and how much Russia was an energy uh, uh, producer and uh, uh, and seller to European energy buyers, the idea of maybe an opponent uh, in Ukraine that's integrated with Europe so they don't have really have to rely on Russian energy, that could be a motivating factor. But we're all doing complete guesswork. I'm sure the resource element of Ukraine's untapped natural resources came into it to some degree, but it's complete guesswork on whether how, like, how much that motivated them. Because I believe Putin, to some extent, really believes what he says when he says Ukraine is basically a part of Russia. And that's not to say he's right. I'm just saying I think he actually believes it. Um, because that's his historic interpretation. And so it's hard to balance all of this to figure out, is it 20% that he wants resources, 30%? I, I do think it's a factor, if not for him, for maybe certain oligarchs around him. So, Dylan, my last word to you is the North and the South fought each other. They were brothers and cousins and everything else. That's what we see in this world today. And they can't get it right. Indeed. Once they figure it out and get it right, the world will be a better place for everybody to live in. Well, thank you, Mays. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Have a good day. Dylan, uh, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on again, uh, and thanks for staying over. Last words. No worries. Every time we, we, I come on, we always stay. We, the show always runs lo- long. <laughs> yeah. There's always more to say. There's always more callers to call in. You know, I sometimes encourage uh, a, an energetic response from your viewers, but I like that. I love the discussion. I like the, the different ideas. Um, the last thing I'll say is that whether or not you personally agree with everything I said about Ukraine, what's happening over here is a gigantic humanitarian catastrophe that we're going to feel the effects of for decades, even if the war was to end tomorrow, as I brought up with demining, for example. But demining isn't the only issue. Uh, Ecocide, people talk about a lot. The ecological destruction of much of Ukraine, which is an incredibly beautiful country. 
Um, uh, there's dangers when it comes to the amount of pollution and within, uh, that has happened because of the Hirasan flooding. And so the one thing I just want to say is, even if you disagree with me, please don't take any of your disagreements or your anger out on the people who are suffering the most. Because a lot of times I'll look online and I'll see Ukrainians really you know, really suffering because their village was hit or they lost a brother or they lost a family member. And sometimes I'll see a certain amount of callousness from the people who are not as supportive of Ukraine, which I think we can disagree about Ukraine, even though I'm very supportive. I think we should send aid, but also not be callous towards the victims of war. All right, man. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Dylan awesome. Burns you, TV. Go ahead. You have a good one, Hank. Okay. Stay safe and stay godly. Okay. All right. Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's Dylan Burns, guys. Um, let me quickly get to Bobby, a first-time caller in Oakland, California, who had a question for Dylan. Unfortunately, Dylan couldn't stay uh, over this long. But, uh, Bobby, you're live with Hake and no Dylan. Are you there? Hey, Hake, what side, what side of the war are you on? You, you support Putin, oh, don't you? Uh, I can't take your call, man. That was a, uh, ban- that was a graduated caller. He graduated. Uh, we don't do we don't do sneaky people trying to graduate, but I appreciate you, man. Wish you well. I'm not on. I do prefer to answer his question since he asked a fair question. Uh, I'm not on a particular side when I'm thinking clearly of the war. I don't know enough to be pro Putin. There are people who who seem to know more than me who are pro Putin. Dylan knows a whole lot more than I do, and I can't even. Mike from uh, California was arguing with him, the second caller today, and I had no idea who they were talking about, what they were talking about, and you guys were like, hey, sticks! <laughs> Indeed, Skunky X, that was who it was. But yeah, um, I, I, in, in all honesty, I do feel more sympathy, more fallen state attraction to the pro-Putin side. Yeah, Sean, you're right. Thank you, man. Uh, but it could well, as Ke- as uh, Kevin Howe has said in the chat, evil versus evil. Violence on many sides. That's why I support Trump, and I didn't get to get to uh, Trump or the true history of slavery with Dylan Burns. Maybe we'll have him back. I'm sure we will. Hake knows nothing. That's true. Says, Come on, man. Indeed. Come on, man, was having a fit, but I appreciate you hanging in there, if nothing else but to uh, talk to the chat. Um, Don't take sides. Even if you are on the side of Russia, don't be caught up in it. Um, Yeah. It was interesting. Let me make a... Let me move on from that call. It was interesting what Dylan Burns brought up about, uh, about land being taken away from people who uh, built and made their uh, nation and country. That has happened in a soft evil way, as I call it, soft evil. And uh, one of my callers, Deontay, just calls it straight up evil. I don't know if he's familiar with this story, but... How Asmodor has called into my show talking about the white um, neighborhoods. I almost said white replacement, which I disavow any notion of white replacement. But white uh, people's neighborhoods being integrated with uh, the 
forced integration of communities. You know, black uh, moves in and the father, the white father moves the family out to a different further outskirt of the suburbs. And these, na- these communities that were once peaceful, quiet, uh, kids could play outside with no fear, you didn't have to lock your door, they changed. That is a, that was not a uh, open, hot war. That was somewhat of a cold war on the white Americans. Their land being replaced, their uh, property values going way down, and uh, their nation going away seems <sighs> maybe un seems I want to say it seems unjust but I I feel a t- a tinge twinge of shame in calling that unjust because I don't know what the whites did wrong to allow that to happen back then I don't know but it's a mess so I did find that interesting how uh, you know Ukraine's land has been an- re-annexed by Russia. It sounded like Russia gave them some land and then took it back. Indian givers. <laughs> interesting at times. Let me quickly get to uh, Rick in Hampton, Virginia. You have two minutes, Rick, in Hampton, Virginia. Thanks for calling, man. What's up? Brother James, what's going on, my brother? Hey, just chilling. Man, yeah, I know I got two minutes, man. They just caught two Chinese Americans that was in the um, Navy, caught them spying. They've been spying for two years. See, Whoa. This is the reason. Yeah, it just came out. I mean, it just, it just, um, it, it's just like a news flash now. And um, my thing is, that's why I'm against letting everybody from foreign countries come and get into our government, man. Yeah. That was the reason, too. You remember doing World War II when um, the U.S. isolated um, Japan? For yeah. that reason right there. True. True. That's why. You know, I, that, and the Japan thing, that was, there may have been shenanigans on our side allowing that to happen. I don't know if that's true or not, but I saw a Rumble video posted on TKR Officials Telegram, that's Asbidor's, uh, drawing parallels Man. between 9-11 and uh, Pearl Harbor, where uh, you know our side let stuff happen. Why? Because we... You know, at that time, during World War II, Japan snuffed They were pretending to be about peace. And while they was in, that, in Washington, D.C., having lots of dinner with all President Roosevelt, they, the plane was already on their way to attack Pearl Harbor. Crazy, it man. Rick, your, your phone is messed up, but I appreciate you. Happy Men's History Month, and good, have a good weekend. Hey, happy, have, a, have a good weekend to y'all. I'll see y'all Sunday on church. Sounds good. Guys, this has been the Hake Report. Let's get to some Fob Friday music. I was hesitant to say this during uh, my intro to Dylan Burns. Uh, Fob Friday, this is, uh, you know, Chinese music, fresh off the boat. This is Ming Ri Shi Jie Zhong Jie Shi by Jackie Cheung from 1992 album True Love Expression. Ming Great Shi Jie Zhong Jie Shi. Here it is. Enjoy, and I'll talk you through it. I'll stick with you guys in the ch- in the chat. Here it is. Jackie Chung is sort of manly for a singer. 
<laughs> Shout out to the singers. When the world ends tomorrow, the voice of an angel. Let me double check supers. Treasure chest. Nice. <laughs> Matt living the dream. What's up? Oh! First time I gave Hake a negative vote because of the Dylan guy. Understandable. I just. I'm not knowledgeable enough. But I didn't want to rehash our disagreements. Check our prior interviews. Of course, you'll probably download those. Spoiler alert says, once the Jewish mafia accomplishes whatever its goals are there, the war in Ukraine will mysteriously come to an end, he says. Interesting point or uh, idea. Thank you, spoiler alert, for that coffee. Jackie Chung <laughs> I'm inspired to build the Great Wall now. Sounds like Chris Tucker doing karaoke. In rush hour too. Is this... Is this... 
Newsom's second cousin or whatever she is, Joanna Newsom, playing the harp. Well, thank you guys. American Anchor Baby, 4 p.m., The Fallen State, noon. These are Pacific Time. JLP will be back at church on Sunday. Adios, America. Bye.